0: Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston Sports. And tonight, Celtic Stuff Live is the official CLNS Media Draft Lottery Show. You can follow John and I on Twitter. I'm at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. Follow the show at CSL underscore Tweet Live. We'll do some program announcements in a little bit. But John and I are definitely here to talk about what I would say. I, I, I'm going to just call it unexpected, John, because honestly, the way things have gone with the, with the ping pong balls for the Boston Celtics, I'm just going to go right out and say that, that, even though the odds were in our favor, I found this to be entirely uh unexpected.
1: Unexpected. Well, the history hasn't been great, right? I mean, we've we've been we've been kicked down and beaten and and prodded and look, it hasn't been great for those of us who sat by and watched 97 and 07, and 14, and even last year, 16, you know, coming up w- third, where, you know, it was a lot of people walked into that draft saying, that it's a two-person draft, and what are you going to do, and there's some lessons there that certainly I know Justin's going to talk about here as we get into it, but uh, look, there's It's incredulous is the best word I can describe my feelings right now. I mean, I I just still can't believe the Boston Celtics won a lottery. It's never happened. They got 17 championships. They never won a lottery until tonight. Ironically, the first year Tim Duncan is not in the league. (laughs) Bad omen that was Tim Duncan. Yeah, I know. You're right. Think about that. Good call. Think about that. All
0: of Tim Duncan's career. The Celtics, I mean, they had a couple of shots, right? And they mm-hmm. didn't win on Tim Duncan. The very first draft lottery after his retirement, they get the number one pick and they're in the Eastern Conference finals. We'll certainly talk about that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, and, and, and you have to sit back here and look at this and say, okay, they've, whatever monkey was left on their back is is long gone now it's it's run down the street and it's terrorizing some other neighborhood because right now the Celtics everything is coming up Celtics right now uh i mean if you're a Celtics fan you got to be on cloud 9 not because it it's different than when they won the championship and you know when we were on the air that night and i mean we were all operating on a on a different plane that evening of 2008 but this is like a a very different level. It's kind of because it's like it's Christmas Eve. This is all Christmas Eve right now. Because it's it's all gravy, right? The future is bright and and we're in the Eastern Conference Finals and you've got picks and young players and potential and it's all right there and the and the and now you're playing well and you the, future looks great and i mean the future's so bright we gotta wear shades justin let's come right down to it brass tacks the future's so bright you gotta wear shades (laughs) you know that's uh
0: that's (laughs) i don't even know where to go from that except to say that's like an mtv thing right like back in the 80s i just feel like that's that's so mtv but this is how geeked we are we're so geeked geeked, we're geeks for geek
1: yes yes
0: i mean really and and i wish i could say listen i'm i'm excited about it i'm really happy about it however you know how i feel about the top four like i wasn't going to be disappointed no matter how you slice it i feel like there's good players and i think there was a way for the celtics to grab somebody i like fultz i like jackson i like tatum i think ball is was gonna go you know Uh, there was no way he was falling to number four. So if the Celtics did fall, I didn't feel like we were going to get stuck with my my personal least desirable of the top four. So I felt like we were going to get a good player. Josh Jackson, Tatum, Markel Fultz, the tradability of this pick also makes it very sort of palatable no matter where you land. The fact that they had the top odds in a draft like this, they were in a great position no matter how you slice it. However, Fultz is a consensus number one. Do I think he's LeBron James? No. I don't think he's going to be the player that's going to come in. And, and I don't think anybody else does either, to be honest with you. We hear a lot about this being a deep draft. This truly is. We've heard deep draft before. This truly is a deep draft. So, No matter what happened for the Celtics, with the best odds overall, they were going to get a a good player. Part of me is like, I'm going to be a little – I have my heart set on Tatum. You know that. It's been that way for a while. I would not take him with the number one overall pick. I would definitely take Markel Fultz. He's the best bet. He's a consensus. He's got the wingspan, the strength. Maybe not the defense right now, but he would definitely be coming to a team who would make sure that – he learned the defensive principles that he needs to learn. He has the athleticism for it. So it's not like he can't do it. It's just a matter of making sure that he does do it and doesn't get handed anything. And that's where the culture of this organization and the, the coach that is Brad Stevens, who is not on the hot seat Eastern Conference Finals really comes into play with a young player like that. So you got to go with Fultz. That's pretty much a no brainer. I know that no, nobody with the Celtics organization after the draft lottery was giving tipping their hand and showing their cards, but come on, let's face it, they're drafting they're drafting Fultz and him being a Washington guy. We've got Bradley, we've got Isaiah Thomas. You know, everybody's up there. Like, it's just kind of interesting. And, the, and there's already been a lot of talk about how they would play together. Isaiah Thomas saying, "Oh, I could see myself playing with him." And they've already even conversed about that. It's all set up. This is the way it's going down
1: right and and that's the I mean while we'd all love to I mean the guy's six four that this is the thing i mean we've been we've been in the land of lilliputians uh in terms of you know the guards spot for this team for a long time markel fortz is is a solid six four his wingspan is almost six ten he's got the same wingspan as Josh Jackson, okay, to give a sense of size and and length, he's also a full year younger than Josh Jackson, so. Well, we all want to, everyone looks at, like, you know, just the unbridled and, and un, uh, the possibilities of what Josh Jackson could become. And, and admittedly, I, I think he's a great prospect. And if we were in the three, four spot, you know, certainly I wouldn't hesitate for a second to, to take him, uh, you know, or Tatum. I think those are both great picks. Just as you said, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there, but, you get the full package with Markel Fultz and you're going to put him in a position where uh he's going to be able to grow and I think grow without expectation too if ball goes second to to the Lakers which seems to be almost you know meant to be um, it, it, it kind of works out perfectly. Ball going to L.A. and Fultz coming here with that kind of Seattle, uh, Tacoma, uh, Boston connection that we have, and 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 then Ball staying in L.A. I mean, it just it kind of seems perfect. I wouldn't say it's the the it new Bird perfect. Magic. Come on, this but is it's
0: perfect. Be, this is going to resurrect the Celtics Lakers rivalry, yeah. not right away, but no. there is new blood in the front office for the Lakers, and mm-hmm. you have to think that. It takes a little bit of time to move on from a transcendent, and I, I can't—I I can't believe I'm saying it—a transcendent wow. player like Kobe Bryant. Oh my God! No, uh, January 31st. No. Somebody shock me, slap me, oh. kill me. <laughs> it does take time to move on from somebody yeah. who is, you know, has had such a great impact on the organization. So the Celtics moved on very quickly. The Lakers, yeah, that rebuild is going to take a little bit longer. But they've drafted some some good pieces, and we'll just have to see how this one plays out. The interesting thing is Lonzo Ball does get comparisons to Magic Johnson and his passing vision and his size at the point guard position. There's some parallels there that will be very interesting. Not that Markel Fultz really does the Larry Bird to that, but I think the fact that the, the, the two organizations have two players that squared off as the one and two pick, this would certainly resurrect sort of the NBA's most famous and featured rivalry in its, in storied history. And I will tell you too, I've been with uh, a new company and just kind of talking with some people that are from different parts of the country, non Celtics fans. And one of the guys that, You know, obviously because of the game seven and the performance and I'm just talking to everybody the next morning. I'm the only Celtics fan. I'm really isolated. Thanks to Twitter. I'm still somewhat engaged with Celtics fandom, but I'm out of market big time. But he said, you know, I'm not I love the NBA. I'm not really a Celtics fan, but I love it when the Celtics and Lakers are good because that means basketball is good. And mm-hmm. so this is widely recognized. I think a little rivalry like this with these two players, even if it takes a little, a little bit for the two organizations to get on the same page and
1: maybe wind up in the finals, boy, it would be a blessing. It really it would. would be a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think. And that's as close I as it's...
0: I get to rooting for the Lakers, just so you
1: know. <laughs> and even a, a half-hearted kind of wink and a nod towards kobe bryant at that man are you feeling okay i, I we you know we need to send some help send a care package or something we just got um, the number one overall
0: pick i'm allowed to be a little euphoric that's all I'll okay say.
1: all right that's it yes you're drunk on on the euphoria of the situation this is a this is a, an unprecedented event, you know, and, and so we should be ex- excited about all that. I think we should feel good about where we're headed. Um, I think it talks a bit about roster construction and the larger issues. And it, what makes it difficult, and, and you and I talked a little bit about this before we got on the show, is that it's not the false pick alone. I mean, the false pick alone, to me, it's it's the no-brainer. It's the obvious pick. If if there's In a normal environment, you take Markel Fultz, you don't even think about anything else. But oh, by the way, we're in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> you know, we've got, you know, we got a special, unprecedented. unprecedented. This is the first time since 1982 where the number one seed in the playoffs also got the number one pick in the draft. And in that, in that case, James Worthy went to the Lakers. So that worked out pretty well for both sides, right? And, uh, you know, we weren't, you know, obviously the Celtics are in a little bit different scenario than where the Lakers were in '82, but they have. There is now this thing called a salary cap, and the problem is, is that we're going to have to look at this situation. And we could sign Markel Fultz and bring everybody back, and everybody and everything's fine. But there's this piece of this which is the salary cap and the potential of signing a max free agent. We've talked a lot about Gordon Hayward. We've talked a lot about Blake Griffin. And there's you know, to do that though, you're gonna to have to say goodbye to some people who were not only important players throughout the season, but really important players in game seven and in game five, in, in Avery Bradley possibly, and possibly Kelly Olinick to make right. the numbers work. And that is a tough conversation to have if you're a Celtics fan off of off of the continued euphoria of winning game seven
0: what a what a hell of a game and we're going to dive right into that in just a second quick station identification don't forget to download the clns radio app for ios and android simply search clns radio in your app marketplace and clns radio's youtube channel youtube.com slash clns radio has high definition full-length locker room interviews and the garden report with Jared Weitz, and I have to tell you that in June of this year, CLNS Media will be launching a new website. To celebrate CLNS Radio's relaunch as CLNS Media, we are giving away, get this folks, an authentic Bill Russell autographed Spalding basketball. Wow. All you have to do is enter to win at CLNS contest.com the contest ends june 7th 2017 make sure you share with your friends and you will get bonus entries that's a fantastic giveaway at a fast fantastic time to be a celtics fan so john let let's do talk about that game seven kelly olenek it's going to go down in history he might not be wearing celtics green next season and we've known that this is what he was capable of. What is ironic to me is on Monday morning's show, when we previewed this game, <laughs> you and I were a 100% consensus that Kelly Olenek was the guy who had to step up for this club to win game seven, which I think is crazy. And the conversation was also not just about hitting three-pointers, But that he had to be aggressive inside, even if he wasn't successful, continue to attempt it, continue to force it, and then work outside. And the big question mark was how, if he doesn't hit that first three-pointer, sometimes he's off off his game. This man realized his potential in Game 7 way beyond any single regular season game, despite some nice spurts during his career, than he ever has. This was not only... His greatest playoff performance, which was insane, but this was the best game he's played in the NBA, period, the end, unquestioned, and it probably just skyrocketed what contract he's going to get in the offseason.
1: It, yeah, it has to. It has to bring him into a whole new, you know area for his contract negotiations, I would think. I mean, we've seen guys do this where they just have games out of their minds in the playoffs. You know, Bismack Biyombo parlayed a few nice games for Toronto last year into making 17 million for the magic last year. And they were not the only sewer for him. So it's not, that isn't a new phenomenon, but just in the way that he did it, I think, you know, is really what was, what was fascinating and in a game seven at that. I mean, he really was a, a force to be reckoned with in only, in only a way Kelly Olinick could, could accomplish. Uh, just amazing basketball, um, Doing everything offensively for the Celtics, a few defensive plays, but really offensively uh being a key cog for them and and you know as you said that unfortunately he may price himself out of being here in Boston this summer, but you know hey <laughs> if the if in the doubt, you know some would say, well, if they lose him for nothing that's a loss well, hey, kicking them into the second round into the third round into the conference finals. That if that's all we get out of you know losing Kelly Olynyk and his cap space this summer, at least I don't think it's for naught. I think that has real value, and it may be the type of win and, and win into the next round that causes Gordon Hayward to give the Celtics a second look. Possibly. dude.
0: If if the Celtics take the Cleveland Cavaliers to Game Seven, there isn't a free agent in the league that wouldn't be looking at this organization with the assets that they have, the coach that they have and what they've done with what is considered to be so little. You would be an idiot not to know that this is a rising organization in the NBA. Look, LeBron's time is limited, despite the fact that Golden State just blew out the uh, uh, San Antonio Spurs in Game 2. I'm not so sure that they're as good as they seem to appear right now, because if it weren't for Kawhi's injury... I'm not sure this is going gonna to be such a no-brainer for Golden State to win. Do I think the Celtics can beat Golden State in the, in the finals if they were to somehow beat Cleveland? The answer is going to be a resounding yes because of the confidence if they get by Cleveland. I am far less confident that the Celtics will be able to defeat Cleveland. But if they go to Game 7, they get a really good shot at any free agent coming Mm -hmm. up this offseason. There isn't one that wouldn't want to come. Guys like Paul George may reconsider their idiotic statements about wanting to go to L.A., right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, with the Markel Fultz pick now being number one, because that's what he is, right? He's the Markel, Mm -hmm. or that's what number one is. It's the Markel Fultz pick. Maybe acquiring a guy like Jimmy Butler is pretty much solidified for the Celtics if they want to. And that's the real question here. How does this all shake out? I know you had a nice conversation on Twitter with Sam Sheehan and Ryan Bernardoni, but maybe talk about all the different moving parts. I know you just set the table pretty nice. Guys like yeah. Avery Bradley and Kelly Olinick might have to be rescinded, but Avery Bradley went healthy in the postseason, played some of the best defense, especially against John Wall, and Kelly Olinick helped close out a game seven. Kelly Olenek, maybe a little bit more expendable expendable than Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley, a difficult loss, but also undersized. So there's a question mark there. And if you're going to tie that into Game 7 performances, Marcus Smart basically sucked it for several games in a row. But just as much as Kelly Olenek stepped up and had the game of his life, Marcus Smart did everything. And most especially rebounding down the stretch for the Celtics to secure that win.
1: Uh, yeah, I, just quickly before jumping on to the, your 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 bigger question, Smart is the reason they won that game, I think. I think Smart is the guy who turned the tide around. I don't think, you know, look, IT hit those shots and all that, but Smart's play at the end of the third quarter is what turned the momentum of that game around and turned the energy of that game around. Everyone is feeling a lot better about themselves. And including smart, including smart, you know, starting to hit some shots, hitting free throws, just, he looked like himself for the first time in, in, since the Bulls series, really. He hasn't played well this entire series. And I thought that was, that was really crucial. So we need to give mad props. Uh, yeah, again, trying to appeal to the younger audience. Um, Wait, thanks, Sam Sheehan,
0: if you want to appeal to the younger audience, how about a little bit of Jalen Brown love? Talk about a kid in game <laughs> seven also that uh, listen, I'm not saying he played at Marcus Smart level and influenced it, but
1: no but he was big he there was, was big poise. there yeah. was poise oh there. yeah,
0: that's what's really the most important thing that we saw
1: you know and and I think there's something to be said now to full kind of lump into the the trade talk here or the the draft talk here. Maybe, you know, even if you think that Josh Jackson is a, is a good prospect or on par with Markel Fultz, and we know that Danny doesn't look at, at at need compared to talent, we know that. But let's say he he measures Markel Fultz and Josh Jackson evenly. After the game that Jalen Brown played, and, and really the season that Jalen Brown has had in his growth and development, you know, does get Josh Jackson? The fact that they
0: need scoring, and the fact that they still well, need scoring.
1: Yeah, but but I guess what I'm saying is, is maybe you don't want to take Jackson because that just stands. And I and I realize I'm saying this with Isaiah Thomas on the team, but maybe you take the other guard and you put him next to it and you let him do his thing because you know Jackson. There's a lot of similarities between Jalen Brown and Josh Jackson. Do you really want to see that overlap? Um, so i yeah i'm not I'm not you know i I don't know that that's a big point but but it's something to consider that the growth that Brown has made you know if he's if the Sulicks think he's as special as i think they do uh at this point, just judging by the confidence that Brad uses in playing him, particularly at home. I can't imagine they're going to try to to mess with that. They think they, I think they think they got a good thing with him. And uh, while many of us on draft night, not including Justin, but including myself in that, were not in favor of the pick, um, he's he's done a great job in proving us wrong.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously a big fan, but I don't <laughs> think that. Just
1: understatement of the air. Understatement. There you go. <laughs> but.
0: As much as I'm obviously a big fan, I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. You know, one of the one of the Twitter posts that I saw from Sam was wings and swings can't go wrong and I do agree with that to some extent. But the irony of the fact that you again, as you set the table, Danny won't necessarily draft somebody based on need and, you know, base just goes with the best player available and sticks with that. Obviously the roster will shake itself out and that's why Danny would always pick the player he covets the most or thinks has the best chance of being the best player. How about the irony of the fact that all we talked about a year ago was they have too many guards, they need to make a deal for a big, blah, 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 blah. And now that Josh Jackson has maybe closed a little bit of the gap, and Josh Jackson, by the way, was the guy I wanted to draft. Like when I, after the Jalen Brown pick, and I kept, I started looking just a year ago, Josh Jackson was the guy I had my eye on. I was like, this is the guy we need to draft. And yet, I, the irony of the fact that with all of that being said, that they might still draft a guard and that I'm still in favor of that as well, even though they're guard loaded, is hilarious, dude. It's hilarious.
1: Yeah, yeah. It is hilarious. <laughs> hey, Danny,
0: why don't you go draft a really athletic guard? Da, 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 you know, like the the butt of so many draft jokes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. You're right,
0: isn't it? Though
1: it I mean, is like, oh, it way is. to
0: go, Danny Terry Rozier. ha <laughs> it's just, it's really laughs
1: on jokes on who now, right? And they're
0: yeah. gonna do it again. They're gonna do it again.
1: So, yeah, it would. Well, so and and that kind of brings back to the the question you're asking a minute ago, which is okay. So how do you do this? And and this is this is the problem in that okay, you've got guys, and we've talked about this over the last few weeks. Danny's gonna have to build a situation where. He's rolling through all these draft picks, because again, this isn't the last year. We got the Nets pick next year. We get the Celtics own pick next year. I mean, the, the draft picks do not end next year. I mean, this is, this is, <laughs> there's more coming down the pike, and assuming there aren't deals that consolidate these pieces, there's going to be need to, to fill these, these, these roster spots. We got three second round picks this year. All in addition, we got Yabasuli, we got Nader, we got Zizich. I mean. They've got to spin those off. They've this got, is, this well. This has to be the year that I, they spin I, they, them they, off. I mean, but I, they I can't. I, That's the problem. They can't because they are at a point where unless they're going to bring in veteran minimum players, they're not going to be able to afford that and the max player that they want to add. That's, that's where we're at right now and that with a seven million dollar cap slot, you gotta throw to the number one pick. And if you take wicked as word that they're gonna try to keep that player, it becomes really hard to hold on to really the core of what made the Celtics, not in style, but in terms of make roster makeup. What made the Celtics an attractive piece and what really carried them ahead of the Wizards is their bench, their ability to play one through eight, one through nine, one through 10 at a higher level. What they're saying in this case, and let's say it's Gordon Hayward, just to use a name. If it's Gordon Hayward that's brought in here, you're going to have to probably lose Bradley and Olinic to do that. And does that make you a better team? And Amir
0: Johnson. I mean, there's uh, Tyler Zeller. I mean, I'm not trying to like, overplay their importance to the team except right. to say that it does impact depth because that's four players now.
1: Exactly. So there's there is a bigger there is a bigger question. You know, in the in the past when the cap was a little higher, when you thought you didn't have to lose so much, and you still might have had to lose one of Orlina one of Olinick or um, Bradley to make it happen. It might have been Rozier instead of both of those guys. But now you're looking at a situation where, okay, well now how do we how do we make this happen in the face of that and get our 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 uh, our max free agent. So that's why some of the conversation of does it make more sense to trade in a cap space? You know, maybe not using number one, but but maybe using some other assets to trade a player into that space. Um Still consolidating roster, which is basically what this is doing, but instead using some future assets instead. There's a lot of different pieces floating around here, but, but in a sense, it's a hard thing to say, you know, we're going to throw away two of the biggest contributors, maybe apart from IT and Horford, probably the two biggest contributors in winning that series. We're going to cast them aside in favor of bringing in, okay, a third team or almost third team all NBA guy in, in, in Gordon Hayward. That's a hard that that's a harder gamble than what we thought it was in February where we thought well we have to give up nothing and we get a, a really great all-star player. It's not the math is different now. But you're if you have to get rid of Bradley you're going to get something back. Maybe future pick, maybe a young player on a on a low salary. Um you know the guy that Well Brian let's do it this way. with that is is Robert Covington, a 3 and D guy. So you you still add to your wing depth Maybe you get a pick or something on the on the side, but you're still able to build on you know, kind of onto your roster. But it's a different roster next year, no matter what you do, and much more reliant on young players and rookies than we're accustomed to here in Boston.
0: Yeah, I'm still not sure that they don't spin off those second round picks, because here's why. Oh sure. Oh sure. Out, yeah. Zeller Amir Johnson out, let's say it goes the way you said to, and it's Kelly O'Linick is out and uh Avery Bradley is out. And let's say the return is Zizic, Yavaselli, first round pick and Gordon Hayward. Which one do you want? I- I'm still <laughs> going I'm still going with the yeah. latter and the great thing about those picks is at some point all these players are going to have to get max deals. Tons of them. And so there's going to be more attrition if you see guys like Tyler I mean um uh, Kelly Olinick and, and Avery Bradley having to move on to make room because those guys deserve their payday too. So let's say they move on. Well, all these first round picks, all these second round picks, if Danny can just keep spinning them off and spinning them off and spinning them off. Remember, I think Leon Poe was a second round pick and he, he was won. a major contributor in that Lakers Celtics series. And was it game four or game five? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, you, or maybe it no, game it was game two. Game two. Yeah, it was, it was game two. It was game two. Leon Powell. Yeah. Remember? Powell.
0: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Podium <laughs> Phil game. Phil Jackson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you were there that night, Ray. I was. You were right there. <laughs> Leon. No, Powell. that's right. Yeah. You're right. There are, uh, oh, by well, the way, Big Baby
0: comments. I have to retract Thank them.
1: You. Thank you. That makes us all sleep tonight. Powell. Yeah. I mean, look. No, but you're right. There is, but let's look at that bench. I mean, if we're going to compare, they did have James Posey. They added PJ Brown late in the, you know, right before, you know, the, the at the, well, around the deadlines of bio They, they added, um, you know, Cassell, uh, at the dead, at the, at the, at the, buyout deadline, you know, they, Eddie House. Yeah. Thank you. You know, so they had a couple, a couple veteran players on that bench to try to help meld it and mesh it together, which I think is something – look, I don't know that this team is, is an, a, a finals contender next year, even if you add Gordon Hayward. I, I think they're in the mix. I think they're in the Eastern Finals. I think they compete with Cleveland. Don't get me wrong on any of that. I think I think they're a tough – I think they're, they'd be a real good team. But But when you take away some of that veteran players, you're going to need somebody, a veteran, to stand up on that bench for minimum salary who – is going to be able to play above that role. And you see guys who can do that for Cleveland. You see people do that for, uh, you know, look what Javel McGee's doing. I mean, Zaza Pachulia, guys on low salaries, but are taking big roles on with, with contending teams. I think that's the, you're going to need to hit on one or two of those to, to su- supplement the fact that you're we really relying really heavily on that bench on young guys who haven't been there and done it before. Maybe we're it's dear- about culture. Stuff, there were but-
0: two young guys Zach. starting on that championship team in 08, right? Rondo and Perkins, if they're the right young guys, and they're going to have some, Jalen Brown, Markel Fultz. If I, if, let me ask you this. If you had to choose between at the same stages in their career – uh, Kendrick Perkins and Rajon Rondo or Markel Fultz and Jalen Brown on a squad I'm gonna ask that question again which two younger players first second year second third year do you want on your squad
1: yeah no i i I, I hear you i I do I just I think it's there dude
0: I think it's there <laughs> and I'm gonna go ahead and just <laughs> transition it because what we have tonight coming up here is game one against the Cleveland Cavaliers do you That's think? Right. You just told me that even if they add Hayward, but I know you're taking into account the shifting of the bench and the role players, etc. Right. that right. they would still be contenders, but they would go to the Eastern Conference Finals but probably not be able to go to the Finals. What's your take on tonight's Game 1 and the series against Cleveland, home court advantage being something that I think, uh, based on the way the last series went, could be very strong for the Celtics, but I've also not thought a sweep but did not and still do not think that the Celtics can get by Cleveland. But maybe we're underrating them because the way Game 7 went, and if other players get it on a game in, game out, not just one game at a time being the most, oh, it's crucial because it's the home game and we need to hold serve, that won't work against Cleveland. But if they could piece together what they did in Game 7 and play with that intensity and energy against Cleveland... They might give them a run, dude. They might give them a run.
1: They're going to do the unexpected, right? I mean, everyone's going to expect, All I've been saying, yeah, I've been saying, you know, for the last 24 hours, well, you know, you might catch them napping in game one. I'm, conventional wisdom up the wazoo. This team doesn't give a whit about conventional wisdom. I mean, let's be, <laughs> they take everything you think they should do and they throw it right in your face. I mean, that's, You know, the conventional wisdom is Cleveland's been sitting for a week and a half on their hands. They don't know what they're getting themselves into. They're going to go into Boston, a hostile atmosphere. The Crowd's going to be going nuts. The Celtics are feeling good about themselves, and the Celtics need to take game one, and if they don't, they lose the series four straight. Basically, that's conventional wisdom. I don't buy into it. I think the Celtics could go into Cleveland and win. I think they could could lose game one and and win game two. I mean, the Celtics are not a team. They're very tough. It's weird. They are a very tough-minded team at times, and they're a very soft team mentally at other times. I read
0: somewhere, somebody on Twitter uh, said, I could see this playing out the same way. The Chicago Bulls series did where they lose the first two at home to Cleveland Jeez. and then all of a sudden start making a run on the road. And I don't, I really don't think they have the horsepower for that. I don't think that could no. happen at all. No. I think they had, they, they need to hold serve at home. To your point, game one should be the one that they could grab. They're, I don't want to say more polished or, or more ready because Cleveland has proven to be just fine, but They're more battle tested. They maybe have a little bit of energy riding off of the game seven win that they take against Cleveland and they are also going to be home, but it's probably most likely that they split the first two games.
1: That would be, that would be ideal in my mind. Split the first two, get back to Cleveland and try to take one there. And then, and then hope that you can get to, you know, game five and need to win two out of three. Both teams need to win two out of three with two of those games being in Boston. I think that's the best you could hope for. But let's be honest, we're all, we're still playing with house money here, right? I mean, anything past this point, even one win is, is like, extra to me I think it's important that they show fight you know I mean that Cleveland yes they got swept in that first in that first series that Brad had you know for zip but they fought like dogs through that and they were so outmanned and outgunned it wasn't even funny that's not the case now I think they're going to be able to steal this is this is going to go six games I don't think Boston's going to get whooped in this in any any stretch. I don't think they're going to win, but I think they're going to put a hell of a fight up. And I think they're going to impress some people along the way. They have been doubted, and I I still hear stuff. Even Bradley Beal last night running his mouth on Twitter saying, well, the better team didn't win. You know what? Shut up, Bradley. Shut the hell up. Oh, my God. Get over it, dude. It's over. You lost. It sucks. Move on. Get a bench. If the, Jesus!
0: If the Celtics get swept by the Cavaliers, Brad Stevens is on the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you laughed. I wasn't sure if you would. <laughs> but I'm John Tomasi, to you
1: yeah. suck, my friend. You <laughs> oh, are a piece of human garbage. That man, oh, my God. I mean, how can you seriously write that? I mean, I know they were down in the Bull series and things were looking bad. But honestly, honestly, man. Have they
0: met expectations? I mean, we talked I mean we're running out of time here, but we talked about this heading into the postseason. We both said, All right, well, if they win a first round series, that's kind of the goal, because they haven't won any playoff series yet under Brad Stevens. And then we said, Well, but does that mean the season is successful? And it's sort of like, Well, no. It means that it means that they finally got that monkey off their back, and that's great. But now they're the first seed. So the expectation is that they at least go to the Eastern Conference Finals. So they have to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, now here we are. They're at the Eastern Conference Finals. Do we take a step back and go, okay, this team achieved what it needed to achieve and everything else is gravy? Or do you kind of stay more mentally aggressive towards your fandom of the team and go, no, now they got to go to the finals, but right? because if you talk to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and I'm sure if you talk to Danny Ainge or Brad Stevens, it's a little bit different. I think Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge set the uh set the bar a little bit differently than a Tom Brady and a you know, a Bill Belichick, but at the end of the day, you talk to those guys, anything short of a championship is failure.
1: Yeah, but you know what, as fans, you have a different take on it. I mean, it's, it's as competitors, you gotta win every game. Like, I would be upset if Isaiah had that attitude. But as fans, we can have the expectation of, hey man, you know, we're just riding the wave. We're, we're gonna hope they play well. If they play crappy, we're gonna be disappointed. But at the end of the day, we're gonna say, well, ho hum, we made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, we lost to a great team, the defending champions, and we have the number one pick. And we have max cap space. So, you know, <laughs> It's hard not to call them winners, right? It's hard, yeah, you know. I mean, they won, like...
0: Danny Ainge won the deal of a century when he pulled in Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. He won the deal of a century when he dealt Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and others, uh, Jason Terry included to the Brooklyn Nets for all these picks. And now here he is with an all-star. And everybody else is retired and he has an enormous amount of picks and he's going to add the top, top player in the draft. This is insane.
1: This is unprecedented. An, un- an embarrassment of riches. I mean, remember after the Pistons won their championship and they had, they had the number, number two pick. That was the, the Darko pick, right? I mean, that was, everyone's like, oh, they're going to be set for a long time. So you have to kind of check yourself and be like, okay, well, maybe it doesn't always work out the way you want it to. But there's so many, it's not just that, like, they're in a good place and they have, like, one option. They have, they have, thousands of options it seems at their disposal to get better and they just have to pick the right options and it's not like one thing like if i do this or i do this or that there's there's cap space there's there's that minimum man
0: the vet minimum is now their friend they're at the easter conference yes they're growing they have young players they're going to be able to add bandwagon talent
1: Mm -hmm. right i mean they're going to lose in the veteran minimum is regretting
0: picking the good guys, I mean, well, the I, bad guys I,
1: instead of the good I, guys. I, I don't know if he's there yet. I don't. I wouldn't <laughs> say that. Ask me on June twenty eighth. He will so. be after
0: he's suspended for taking an extra step on a closeout and injuring Tony <laughs> oh Parker. Oh
1: my god! No, but I, I think that there's <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> Jesus, you're insane. Um, <laughs> no, there. I don't think he's regretting it, but I think that there's going to be. I think we're going to be in that mix. You know, we're going to be in the Spurs, Warriors, Cavs mix. And we may have more opportunities for a veteran to play big minutes. Let's say Kyle Corver. Kyle Corver is going to be a free agent. Where's he going to sign? Maybe he returns to Cleveland, but maybe he comes here. You know, I mean, there's guys like that. Bigs in particular. One thing we should, we should note big men right now the value of big men is next to nil look at what jared sullinger barely even got anything so yeah we're going to be able to get decent bigs who can rebound on the cheap i mean amir johnson is going to be a veteran minimum guy um you know these guys are going to be pennies so we can fill that gap in our roster very easily um with with spending no money so Don't worry about that. I mean, there's just so many good things. And one thing we should keep in mind, I know we're going to be kind of rounding the turn here as we're heading for home here on this show, the all-NBA teams come out on Thursday. So tomorrow, we're going to find out if Gordon Hayward made that third NBA slot, if if, uh, Paul George made that third NBA slot, Jimmy Butler. If those guys, if any of those guys make that third spot, that could have some some severe consequences for what we do with that max space. So, that is the next piece to look at and we're going to know pretty much by by Thursday afternoon what the the landscape looks like for the free agent prospects for the Celtics and of course the the cascading issues of what to do with their roster and and their cap situation going into next season.
0: Yeah, lots to talk about because seven more games on the docket. And as you just mentioned, the picture of the offseason is now becoming very clear. As we wrap the show, I'm going to add one other thing. Adam Himmelsbach tweeted out that the Celtics have the highest assist percentage by actually a fairly large margin of all the teams in the postseason. And like I said, fairly large margin even over the Golden State Warriors. How crazy is that? And one thing we didn't get to talk about, but we'll talk about it some more, is how willing Isaiah Thomas was to defer in Game 7, how he created 12 assists, and how that became a little bit of a theme in this postseason more than any other, his faith Mm -hmm. in his teammates. Can't be understated. I wish we had more time to talk about it. The truth is, is we've run out of time. We're going to be back next Monday, everybody, and we will be a little bit deep into that Cleveland Cavaliers series with lots more to talk about. The broadcast will be available on demand on the Sealiness Radio mobile app as well as CLNSRadio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. You can support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to rate and review the show. Your feedback is important to us. And as a reminder, today's show brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. Not only do they have a great deal for you listeners, but most importantly, you'd be supporting the network and this show. Appreciate the loyal CLNS Radio audience who makes it all worthwhile. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin and Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic
1: Stuff Live.